knuckles and we're at pumpkin hill you ready i ain't gonna let it get to me i'm just gonna creep down in pumpkin hill i got to find my lost piece i know that it's episode of classic gaming brothers i'm zach and i'm seth and we are the classic gaming brothers that's right we are the classic gaming brothers we are fun fact zach and i were just discussing our plans for 2024 we were talking about going to the midwest gaming classic which is out in Wisconsin, a part of the United States I've never been to. I think they have cheese there. Yeah, they're very well known for their cheese. So we'll get cheese. Yeah. But the Midwest Gaming Classic is a very large retro convention. And uh, we were just planning possibly a trip out there, which is uh, is kind of cool. We're not sure if we're going to uh, drive or fly, but we're definitely not going to take the train. Yeah, that's 32 hours of time that I don't need to spend with my brother. <laughs> Fun fact, though, a uh, a coach ticket for thirty two hours is one hundred and thirty bucks. It's not bad. A private room is eleven hundred. Nice. So if you want to sleep, eleven hundred. You want to sit stock still for thirty two hours, hundred bucks. Which I feel like is that's like the encapsulation of the American way. Yeah, I feel like if you took a train from where we are in the Northeast to Wisconsin, there's going to be a couple parts of the country that you're going to drive through where it's pretty much just corn oh absolutely or wheat or wheat yeah yeah i feel like those are going to be very boring parts of the train ride everything up to that point is going to be probably decently interesting to look at then you're just going to get to corn land i feel like if you stood up regularly and stretched it'd be a really good time to just crack into some video games yeah i guess i guess yeah you could bring a steam deck on board and good to go hopefully there's a plug because i've ridden on amtrak trains before where there are no working plugs classic well speaking of trains no speaking of video games uh seth what have you been recently playing oh man i really wish i played a train game lego loco i was watching a video about somebody talking about lego loco and they did not like it they like put it on like d tier or something like that mostly because there wasn't anything to do in it yeah that's true there's nothing to do in it but that's the point anyway recently i've been playing jagged alliance 3 which was released back in 2023 uh which is also known as this year that we're recording by hamiant games and published by thq nordic the game it takes place in the country of grand shin and it's thrown into chaos when and the president goes missing and this paramilitary force called the legion takes control you are some person who doesn't like that to happen and have to hire mercenaries to do your work because i'm pretty sure you represent a government but you also can't send government forces because that's not how things are done or you're like a mercenary agency recruiting you're disrupting this through other parties and those parties are mercenaries that you have to pay for but somebody is paying you so you hire mercenaries and you fight in a tactical turn-based combat and has open world rpg elements to it what's cool is uh part of the jagged alliance experience it's kind of like xcom if xcom recruited people who didn't also like each other so picture xcom the game picturing 
all the people in your squad sometimes liking each other. In fact, when you go to recruit people in Jagged Alliance 3, sometimes you cannot recruit certain people because you hired somebody else before. There's a guy named Steroid. He's kind of like Duke Nukem and talks like Duke Nukem, walks like Duke Nukem, and is pretty much Duke Nukem. And there are people who do not like to work with Steroid. And if you call them after you hire Steroid, they could be the best medic. And they say, no. I'm not working with that guy. So then you can't recruit the best medic and you have to go recruit the worst medic. Nice. And then you have to recruit this guy named MD who is a doctor who thought he was joining Doctors Without Borders but instead joined a mercenary company and didn't realize he made a mistake until people started shooting at him. That would be a mistake. Right. Then there's a guy by the name of Ice who is kind of a chill, laid back kind of guy who's more of an experienced mercenary. And then there's Ivan. He's the most experienced experience but he also doesn't always speak english and he is a uh, a russian sharpshooter oh nice and you have to go to this island and investigate what's going on and uh kill people who are the bad guys in a tactical turn-based environment so like XCOM, except the people you're fighting are people not aliens i didn't play jagged alliance growing up i have played jagged alliance both one and two as an adult and i like those styles of games and i've i've been enjoying it it's a pretty uh, faithful reimagining. Uh, I was worried about it because sometimes when they do these with franchises, they don't do a great job. Um, but Jagged Alliance uh, started out, initial reviews were not great in Steam. I like to watch the Steam rise, and they went from mixed to very positive. So it looks like uh, it's doing okay now based on the reviews. And was a game that, after reading a couple of reviews, they, it tends to be a bit more faithful to the original story. In fact, there are people who are like people who love Jagged Alliance 2 and they've played like 80 hours of the game and yeah. think it's better than Jagged Alliance 2. So something I'd consider if you're a fan of the original Jagged Alliance or Jagged Alliance 2, Jagged Alliance 3 might be up your alley. It uh, MSRPs for right around $44.99. So it's, it comes in under that uh, 50 or 60 or whatever the MSRP for today is budget. And is uh, it's a pretty good pickup if you like these uh, tactical XCOMI games. Cool. Zach, what have you been recently been playing? Well, I got into a mood to play something Warhammer themed because we were talking about Warhammer in our last episode. So I played Warhammer 40k Space Marine. Oh, did you enjoy it? I did. The game was released back in 2011 by Relic Entertainment, and it's a hack and slash where you play as a Space Marine. Uh, You specifically play as Captain Titus, who is uh, part of like a small team of Space Marines. And your job is to regain military control of a place called Forge World Greya, which has been taken control control of by the orcs which is very bad there's a cinematic in the beginning where it's like forge world greya importance absolute <laughs> so it's like you definitely need to take it back and the game starts out nice and hectic with your characters jumping from a like spaceship that i think is also exploding and you land on an orc battleship and you just immediately get to hacking and slashing you start out with just like a blade and a pistol but you can upgrade later i think you later get the chainsword i got to the point where where I picked up a submachine gun instead of just a pistol. It's more of a melee game than it is a shooty game. The gun doesn't really do much damage at all. I think it's mostly just for like parrying and also like if you have too many enemies around you or if you're trying to like destroy a gun turret or one of the plentiful amounts of oil tanks that are scattered around the map. But so far I'm having a good time. I like the the aesthetic. As we talked about in the last episode, all the orcs have like British cockney accents, which is in this. I don't know. I like the orcs a lot. I think they're funny. Makes me 
sad to have to kill him, but you know, that's how it is. Uh, but yeah, it's Warhammer 40k Space Marine. I heard there was a sequel out. I think it's supposed to be pretty good. So maybe if I finish this game, I'll pick up the sequel if it's on sale. I own this game. Cool. I do too. I think it was in a bundle. Oh, probably. Because I don't remember buying the game. I just have it. Why is it $60? The original? Yeah. No idea. I'm looking at the Space Marine Anniversary Edition, and it's MSRPing at $59.99 and came out in 2011. Why are they charging $60 for a game that's 12 years old? I, it does go on sale a lot, though. I mean, like, Warhammer as a jo- like a franchise will just go on sale, so sometimes all the Warhammer games will be, like, 75% off. And all the people own this game. Everyone has it. Maybe that's why they charge so much for it, because everyone has it, so the only people that are gonna buy it is the people who don't have it. Well, that's how life that, works that is, that is actually how all of commerce works. Unless you need lots of something. Like toilet paper. Like food or toilet paper. Anyway, today we're not talking about food or toilet paper. We are kind of following up to two episodes ago when we did our Sonic Archie comic lore episode. But this time we're going to be talking about the Knuckles lore. I did allude to the fact that Knuckles has his own lore that is separate, for the most part, from the lore that we know of Sonic. It's all the same universe as the Archie comics, but it's it his lore is much more complex. To just do a little place setting, the Sonic the Hedgehog Archie comics were a long-running franchise, did have a couple of spin-off miniseries. One of those was a three-issue limited series exclusively about Knuckles written by Ken Penders, and this was called Sonic's Friendly Nemesis Knuckles. The three-issue miniseries evolved into what became a 32-issue series separate from the Sonic comics, um, though eventually that series was canceled and they kind of had to incorporate storylines into the ongoing Sonic series. So what ended up happening was when the Knuckles comics ended, the like tail half of Sonic comics would be a Knuckles storyline. So you'd have the Sonic storyline and then you'd have like three or four pages dedicated to a separate Knuckles storyline. And then eventually they resolved a lot of the plot stuff that happened in those 32 issues and they kind of reincorporated Knuckles as a main reoccurring character in in the Sonic comics separate from doing his own thing but that's just a little background but let's talk about the lore so I'm going to put everyone in the the mindset of this world this is starting off with Echidna prehistory so echidnas which are the 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 race that knuckles is they're a type of uh spiny anteater uh their culture stems back to the earliest days of the planet mobius which as we talked about in our sonic lore episode is earth after it had been bombed by the zorda those aliens that came and bombed it with gene bombs back in the early days of mobius the sentience of the mobians was kind of starting to come about but before we get into that Let's talk about the Chaos Emeralds. Uh, The Chaos Emeralds are a little different than how we've talked about them before in the games. These are gems still of pure power, but their story is a little different, as they exist beyond time and space, meaning other worlds in the Prime Dimension have their own Chaos Emeralds. It's not just exclusive to Mobius, and also other dimensions have Chaos Emeralds. So there's like Chaos Emeralds all over the place. Now, thousands of years before Sonic's life, the sky, reigned 
Chaos Emeralds from space in an event known as the coming of the Chaos Emeralds, which ended up destroying prehistoric life that was still redeveloping on the planet after the effects of the gene bombs. Three prehistoric creatures, or Mobasaurs, became charged with Chaos Energy and survived the reigning of Chaos Emeralds and became known as the Ancient Walkers. These Ancient Walkers are revered as gods amongst many Mobians, but more so the Echidna population. Around 400 years before Sonic, which we talk about uh, BS, this is the before Sonic period of time. We talk about that in the Sonic lore, Archie Sonic lore comic. That is the episode, that is the other piece of bread between this Warhammer sandwich. (laughs) In all fairness, I thought it would be a good idea to do this episode sooner than later because if we introduced this episode 100 episodes down the line, we'd have to reiterate so many things. But that's where we get our content from. (laughs) That's that's true. Anyway, around 400 years before Sonic, the echidna scientist Kayla Lay and Jordan discovered that a white comet was set to collide with Mobius, which is the planet that they're on, so that would be unsettling. It was proposed by Kayla Lay to hide the 12 Chaos Emeralds and use them to move the continent and their city into the sky. This created the Floating Island. The same Floating Island that you see in Sonic and the Hedgehog, perhaps? Sonic and Knuckles, yeah. In Sonic and Knuckles, there's a floating island. It is this floating island. Uh, Anyway, they take their echidna continent far away from where everybody else is going to get roasted by this uh, white comet. Yeah, spoiler alert. It doesn't doesn't hit the planet. (laughs) Um, So they wasted all their energies and lifting the city off for no reason? Yeah. It was just a a bad prediction. Unlike Figaro from Final Fantasy, which buries itself. Anyway, some time passed, and Kayla Lay and Jordan's great, great, grandchildren Edmund and Dimitri became enthralled with the powers of the Chaos Emeralds that hold the island up. Edmund would become the first guardian in the Brotherhood of Guardians, a select group of echidnas that guard the floating island and the emeralds. Dimitri, however, would fall into temptation and sin and briefly become an Inerjak. An Inerjak was a vengeful and malevolent demigod whose essence was scattered across the Chaos Emeralds and their power. So they both became obsessed. One of them became a guardian of the Chaos Emeralds, and the other became a demigod. Yeah. Anyway, Dimitri, who was the Enerjack, planned to conquer all of Mobius as an Enerjack, but was stopped by a race of fire ants who destroyed his tower and buried him alive. However, because he was a demigod, he survived. But everyone thought he was dead because he was buried. (laughs) That's what you do with dead people. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So there was only one emerald that existed on the island to be afloat i don't know where the, all the other ones went uh like into Enerjack. so when he like absorbed their power and so there was only one there was only one left yeah was it the big one or was it just a random one it's just a random one the big one doesn't show up until later in the comics oh okay now the dark legion is, is something that we need to talk about this time they're a technocratic group of echidnas that were founded by menaker the son of dimitri Jeez, these guys have kids fast yeah <laughs> Uh, This Dark Legion, they had a goal, and that goal was to embrace technology and restore Echidna society to have a place on the surface of Mobius as opposed to on the floating island. Because the Council of Echidnas, which was the the governing body of the floating island, uh, believed that Echidna culture and technology were 
too different from each other and they actually started to outlaw like advanced technology you could have like phones and stuff but they didn't want like cybernetics they didn't want like you know any holographics or any like laser rifles or anything like that the dark legion wanted to embrace the technology to usher in a new era of the echidna society now following dimitri's demise echidna society would thrive edmund soon passed and his son steppenwolf took on the mantle of guardian during this time the echidna government was frequently in crisis with the dark legion leading to a full-out civil war steppenwolf attempted to resolve the conflict through the high council of echinopolis but was nearly killed by councillor garrick who wanted to appease the dark legion's demands steppenwolf on the threat of dying offered to turn himself into the legion if that is what the council truly wanted and if what they believed to be best for the echidna people. But the council saw his act of, uh, essentially act of self-sacrifice, and they decided that they would instead agree to let Steppenwolf deal with the Dark Legion personally. Steppenwolf would go to the Dark Legion and try to attempt a peaceful resolution. However, the Dark Legion had other plans. You see, Menaker was secretly disguised with a helmet and would hide his identity when he attempted to assassinate Steppenwolf. But Steppenwolf survived thanks to chaos powers that he had at this point. And Steppenwolf realized the only way to get the Dark Legion to stop was to banish them. So he sent the Dark Legion into what's called the Twilight Zone. At that point, Steppenwolf was viewed as a hero and continued to serve as guardian, even fighting off an attempted invasion by Brutus Kinterbor, the ancestor of Dr. Robotnik, who uh, attempted to invade the ancient the, the floating island at one point. Steppenwolf would have a son, Moonwatcher, who took the role of guardian when his father passed. Prior to the eventual great war between the Mobian and the Overlanders, the Echidna people entered into a war with the Dingoes, which, just like the Echidna, is an Australian creature. Dingoes look like dogs. Echidnas, don't they kind of look like hedgehogs a little bit? They kind of look like really big hedgehogs with funny noses. Dingoes uh, held a fascist supremacist society and they desired to be completely destroy the echidnas. The dingoes acquired nuclear warheads from the overlanders and launched them at Canopolis, which was only saved because the guardian, Hawking, was able to erect a shield over the city. While Hawking was able to save the city, the floating island was devastated by nuclear fallout because his shield wasn't good enough. <laughs> and Hawking used his inventing abilities to transport Echinopolis into another zone and send the dingoes into their own zone. Hawking would return the uh, to the island to work upon cleanup with the Brotherhood of Guardians. Why did he have to go Echinopolis into one zone and the other people to another zone? Because if he dropped the shield, Echinopolis would have been flooded oh, with radiation. Of all radiation. Ah, uh, I see. But the island is still part of their culture and the emerald is still holding up the island. So he has to still be guardian of the emerald and had to go back to deal with cleanup. Right. Did they go to like Green Hill Zone and uh, they send the dingoes to a freaking chemical plant or something? That's what I, that's that, what I imagine. <laughs> that, that would be that'd be hilarious. Or Oil Ocean. Now, don't chuckle. It's Knuckles. Knuckles' early life consisted primarily of learning how to be a guardian and living with his parents. Specifically just his dad. His father, Locke, would bring Knuckles down to the chaos chamber to learn more about the energy that the emeralds had to offer as an egg which echidnas fun fact lay eggs similar to platypus as an egg knuckles was exposed to chaos radiation on a regular basis because uh, Locke would just carry his egg down into the chaos chamber and just kind of like leave it next to the, uh, the emerald knuckles when he was born kind of led a, a sheltered life it was just pretty much him and his dad on the island the other echidnas um, were in the their zone and uh, knuckles for all his knowledge did 
didn't actually really know that the other echidnas were out there because it was, you know, a solitary life of a guardian. Now, during a world tour from King Acorn, he ended up meeting Sally Acorn, the heir apparent to the throne of Acorns. Who's uh, Sonic's girlfriend? Yeah, this was before they were dating. Sally was like five and Knuckles was also like five. But they they, they met and they became close friends during uh, the very brief time. However, their friendship was cut short as Knuckles had to continue his duties of training to become a guardian and Sally had to go back to her home. When Knuckles turned the age of 10, Locke traveled into the Forbidden Zone, which involves walking into a giant wall of fire, and Knuckles just presumed Locke died. Locke wasn't like, I'm going to the Forbidden Zone. He was like, I must leave now. It is your duty to be guardian, and walked into a giant pillar of fire, which is one way to do it. At that point, Knuckles officially became guardian, and due to being guardian, he was now under strict, you know, order to guard the floating island, which also meant that he couldn't see Sally anymore. But this was more due to the fact that Warlord Kintabor had threw a coup and threw the Kingdom of Acorn into the first Robotnik War. Knuckles did, however, become close friends with Vector the Alligator, Mighty the Armadillo, Espio the Chameleon, and Charmy B, and they, uh formed a little group together that they kind of like hung out and goofed around on the island. Isn't he supposed to be guarding it? Yeah, but they are all on the island, so they're not leaving it. So he just dicks around and gets paid? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, he doesn't get paid. He's 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 a child. Oh, he's a, <laughs> he's a, he's a volunteer. Yeah, he's a volunteer. Together with his friends, they created a group called the Chaotix, and they uh, often helped fight off Robotnik's various attempts to seize the island. Chaotix sounds like an acapella group. It does. Knuckles is incredibly gullible because while he was defending the island from Robotnik, he also was sometimes just like talking to Robotnik because Robotnik would come to the island and be like, hey, this blue hedgehog and this two-tailed Tails are coming to steal your emerald. You should beat them up. And he did just this. And Sonic and Tails did arrive and briefly got into a fight with Knuckles. However, they were able to convince Knuckles that Robotnik was in fact the bad guy. Shocker. Knuckles and Sonic get along well for the most part, but frequently they spat with each other. At one point, for example, Sonic is kidnapped by Robotnik and roboticized. Knuckles undergoes robotization of himself, of his own free will, and then beats the ever-loving snot out of Sonic. But they both get better after not being robots anymore. I do like back in the game when you encounter Knuckles, he like punches you and then you step on his head and then he becomes a friend. But then he tells teleports up with the Kaz Emerald and I guess that takes a lot of energy because then he just lays panting. Yeah, he gets really tired and then he tells you to go away if you stick around for too long. Yeah, he's like, go fight Robotnik who's blowing everything up and you're like I'm taking a nap now after all this Operation Endgame happens and all that stuff goes down with Sonic you can listen to our Sonic episode to learn about all the stuff that's going down with Sonic also Knuckles learns the fate of the Echidnas and their banishment in the Twilight Zone shortly after Robotnik's death Knuckles meets a lone Echidna named Julie Sue who is part of the Dark Legion they become soulbound to each other and Knuckles gets all excited and asks her on a date. Now, due to the Ultimate Annihilator's operation, Echidnopolis begins to return to the Prime Universe, Through though it's in a state of chaos. The Dingo's city of Cavard Canus also is returning, and incidentally, in the same spot, 
as a Canopolis. Hawking, who is still alive and very old, uses the same device that he used to send the two cities into the alternate zones to fully restore Canopolis, but in turn, he decimates the Dingo City, and the Dingoes must now live in a, in a Canopolis, alongside their longtime enemies, the Echidnas. This strikes a series of conflicts between the Echidna people and the Dingoes, with the Dingoes effectively becoming refugees and the Echidnas having to deal with a sudden crisis. So, essentially, there's an apartment that is created with the echidnas and the dingoes yeah i want to chime in right now and just remind everyone this is a children's comic <laughs> right and i believe at this time like lore like the can like this is actually this is canon video <laughs> yeah, games. yeah yeah this is canon until until so uh in our sonic episode and in this episode we go over comics there is a point in time where uh when idw which is a imprint takes over the publication of these comics essentially says everything that came before is not real yeah, that was thanks to Sega. Sega basically put out a guideline being like, unless there are special exceptions, any uh, media related to Sonic has to be in line with our stuff. And right. that led to the comics having to undergo serious reworking with then IDW now in control of it and Archie losing the, the license for it. Right. Kind of like Star Wars with the changing things to be um, the legends. Yes, yes. Yeah. But it's also kind of like, so like there was also a brief re- rewrite of the canon due to a lawsuit that happened before the Sega thing. So it's kind of like the Star Wars Marvel comics suddenly changed canons and then DC bought them. <laughs> like it would be like like a serious change would happen. Now back to the Knuckles lore. We talked about Dimitri. Everyone thought he was dead. Turns out he's not. And during the time that people assumed he was dead, his body has been getting older and older, but he's been slowly turning it more robotic. He's been uh, giving himself more prosthesis and cybernetics so this does in turn make him look like a complete badass but it also means he's fairly limited in what he can do becoming more and more reliant on those around him to keep him alive and maintain him because as he gets older the parts that are used to uh, fix his his original parts begin also getting older so he needs to maintain them he also mostly cedes control of the dark legion to his great great granddaughter Lienda. with dimitri back he soon takes on the form of enerjack again enerjack becomes becomes incredibly powerful and ends up disintegrating Knuckles for a very brief period of time as Knuckles is saved by the ancient walkers who we mentioned at the beginning of this episode as being those old Mobian Mobasaurs that ended up becoming gods. Enerjack is depowered by Mammoth Mogul, this jerk who's this mammoth man who is also like just a robber baron. Like he dresses fancy, he has a lot of money, but he's also kind of a god and he really likes to steal Chaos Emeralds and use their energy. Is he like is he like Baron von Baron from Lego? He's like Baron von Baron from Lego if Baron von Baron from Lego was also an old one. <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't have conclusive proof one way or the other that he's not an old one. That's true. With Mammoth Magool having depowered Enerjack and now Mammoth Magool's powerful, Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles all team up to seal Magool into the newly formed Master Emerald. Following this, Knuckles goes on a little trek. He kind of leaves his duties of being a guardian because he gets recruited as the meter of the lost tribe of Echidnas, uh, this spiritual leader for this group of Echidnas who had left Echinopolis ages ago and remained on the surface of Mobius as a nomadic tribe. So they had left Echinopolis before 
the floating island was even floating. And during his travels to find the Lost Tribe, he encounters Robbo the Hedge, who is a Robin Hood character and that lives in the land of Mercia. And the, this Robin Hood character looks like Sonic wearing Robin Hood cosplay. Oh, fun. Now Knuckles comes back to the floating island and finds out his mom is engaged to a dude named Winemacher. There are some other events that occur on the island and Dimitri ends up reforming the Dark Legion. Knuckles also gets infected with Chaos Energy and at this time mutates into Chaos Knuckles, which is when he turns green, due to a dormant Chaos Energy that resides in his DNA. This turns him into a basically a demigod and now has control over Chaos Forces without the need for the Emeralds. Dimitri convinced Knuckles to join the Dark Legion and there is a comic panel where Green Knuckles is standing there and Dimitri Dimitri says, welcome to the dark side. And there is a distressed pink lady. Yeah, it's Julie Sue. This turns out to be mostly a ruse because Knuckles is actually trying to learn more about the Legion and how Dimitri operates. Now, Mammoth Mogul is back and this time he is grouchy. He kidnaps Dimitri and constructs something called the Chaos Siphon. Knuckles confronts him and battles Mogul. And in a last ditch attempt to save Dimitri, Knuckles sacrifices himself and explodes, which causes a building to collapse. And he passes away and goes to a kid into heaven yeah we talked about this in the sonic episode where we said then he got collapsed under a building but mostly because it's because he exploded we left that part out for the knuckles episode <laughs> yeah because we plan ahead now knuckles is dead and goes to Echidna Heaven. And in Echidna Heaven, he is given the chance to watch his life unfold before him. After his death, the floating island is renamed Angel Island, which is the first zone in Sonic 3, Angel Island Zone. Knuckles spends his time uh, going through his past with the assistance of the goddess Aurora. And in Echidna Heaven, Knuckles gains uh, kind of an omnipresent view and sees that the Zorda are beginning their attack on Mobius. So he convinces Aurora and his ancestor Aether, who just kind of shows up, to send him back back to Mobius. They agree, but in the process, Knuckles loses his chaos energy, and he becomes Red Knuckles again. Knuckles arrives for the final battle with Zorda, and Sonic blows up and gets launched into space, where Sonic has a whole adventure in space. We cover that in our Sonic episode. Knuckles doesn't get launched into space. Instead, he sticks around and helps the kingdom of Acorn in Sonic's absence. And following the Zorda's defeat and Sonic's apparent death, Robotnik uses the fresh wound to launch a full-scale assault on the planet. Knuckles serves the kingdom at Acorn in their defense for various strategic outposts, and Sonic does eventually come back, so that's pretty chill. Now, I will say, Knuckles actually is no longer Guardian during this time. His father, Locke, takes on the role of Guardian from Knuckles, because Knuckles was presumed to have died, so his father had took on the role of Guardian in Knuckles' death, and when Knuckles comes back, his father's still Guardian, so Knuckles is like, okay, I'm gonna go help the kingdom of Acorn. So that's why Knuckles can do that. Knuckles learns about a prison camp that's holding his father hostage, and he goes there to rescue him. He also finds a number of other echidnas. They believe Knuckles to be the Messiah and begin worshipping him, though he's no longer a demigod, so it's like a little different. Uh, he did Knuckles come back to also, life though, just like Jesus. <laughs> Knuckles also meets his new baby brother, Kneecapion Mace, or better known as, I kid you not, Kneecaps. But in his uh, photograph, he is wielding a mace. <laughs> he does. Perhaps Mace is just a nickname? Maybe. Now, Robotnik continues his bad stuff and Knuckles helps fight him every now and then. Uh, Dimitri is also off questing for world domination and there's now another guy who's evil named Dr. Phanifidus. I've only read it, so I don't know how it's said. Phanitivus? Yeah. He steps in and wants to do evil stuff. Phanitivus gains the trust of the other echidnas and soon gains the custody of the Master Emerald. It was a big battle with Judge Judy presiding. <laughs> 
Uh, Dimitri turns into a floating head, only just being kept alive. He goes and warns everyone about Enerjack probably coming back soon. I don't know when Dimitri just starts becoming a floating head, but I, I put a picture in uh, of uh, yeah. He just at some point is a floating head. Dimitri goes and warns everyone about Enerjack. Yeah, because he's like kind of turning good because he's mostly a floating head now. <laughs> So and there's also a lot of other bad people. Yeah, yeah. He's I think he's kind of jealous of Vinitivius. So he's like, oh, by the way, Enerjack's gonna come back. Now Knuckles, our protagonist, goes to Angel Island before Dimitri can warn him and is kidnapped by Evil Sonic, who is known as Scourge the Hedgehog. After he is captured, he is forced into contact with the Master Emerald and it reawakens some remnant energy, and Knuckles now becomes an Enerjack. Enerjack, as Knuckles, begins destroying the Dingoos who had control over parts of Angel Island. He completely disintegrates the Dingu leader and their new city. He also proceeds to remove and cure all cybernetic implants of the members of the Dark Legion with his overall goal to get rid of technology, which I believe that Legion was founded as a technocratic order, so Knuckles is just dicking around with everybody. Yeah, now uh, Shadow has to step in and fights Knuckles, though that doesn't go very well. And Sonic ends up using the Master Emerald to become Super Sonic, and he and Enerjack begin to fight. Knowing what must be done, sacrifices himself to break the control that Enerjack has over Knuckles, and Enerjack is destroyed. Knuckles now fully backs to him back as himself, gets really mad that he uh, did all these bad things as Enerjack, and he begins to seek redemption. The Dark Legion, being mostly dismantled from the Enerjack attack, has now sided with Eggman and are working on the construction of the Death Egg. A few other things happen, and Knuckles ends up fighting uh, Phanitivus and throws him off of angel island and finitivus dies i feel like that should have been used more often in like their world is just throwing people off of angel island <laughs> yeah now the first genesis wave happens and things return back to normal knuckles however gets pissed at sonic because sally has been roboticized after this knuckles asks julie sue and this bee named saffron to guard the master emerald while he goes and gets stuff done uh he receives a distress call from albion the echidna capital and when he arrives it is decimated and the echidnas are nowhere to be found so he learns while he's doing this that the Tasmanian devil, and this Tasmanian devil is named Thrash, has a warp ring and Knuckles assumes that Thrash is involved with this warp ring. Thrash lures the Echidnas into the warp ring and banishes them to some unknown zone. Knuckles and Thrash, they fight, but Thrash like whirlwinds off and escapes. Knuckles attempts to bring the Echidnas back using the warp ring, but it doesn't work. And then the second Genesis wave hits and the whole conflict with Dr. Wily and Mega Man and everything else happens and Knuckles is just caught up in the battle assisting Sonic and Proto Man and a lot of conflict and then what comes after Genesis Wave 2? The Super Genesis Wave. That's right. As I like to call it the Super Genesis Wave or how I learned to stop worrying and hate the canon. So I want you listener to sit back and look at the length of this episode. Think of everything we've talked about with Knuckles. I want you to think about the Dark Legion. I want you to think about Mammoth Mogul. I want you to think about Dimitri and uh, Knuckles turning into green knuckles and doing weird stuff at times no longer canon because when the super genesis wave happens the entire story of knuckles is rewritten and everything that we just told you has now been decanonized as you would in the new canon knuckles is the only member of the extinct race of echidnas there's no hidden echidnas 
anywhere. They're not hiding off in some void. They're all gone. They've been dead for years. He is also the sole guardian of the Master Emerald, which has existed for an unknown amount of time as the single item always having kept Angel Island afloat. Despite attempts from Dr. Robotnik to steal the Master Emerald, Knuckles has always stayed true to his oath to watch over it and make sure no one ever took it or damaged it. In this new canon, the ancestors of Knuckles also watched over the Emerald in ancient times. One of his ancestors, Tikal, existed as the Guardian and helped kept the Master Emerald safe, as well as contained their god, Chaos. So that's the new canon. Well, that was the new canon. Then the Archie comics got cancelled. <laughs> And that's it. That's the Sonic Archie Knuckles comic lore. There's a whole separate canon for the IDW. Uh, I would say it arguably is closer to the revised canon after the Super Genesis wave, but technically nothing from Archie is canon anymore. So uh, it ends. I feel like it ends a little better than the Sonic episode ended where it was that horrible picture of them crying. Yeah, that the 25 years later thing is very weird. Knuckles is also involved in that, but has a less depressing time in that storyline. Mostly because his children don't get erased. <laughs> his only daughter helps, like, save the universe. Yeah, nice. Because everything just comes up Knuckles. People think that the story is about Sonic because Sonic's in the title. But really, it's about Knuckles. Yeah. Very true. With all that said and done, we're going to get into our retro rewind. Uh, Seth had me play Splatterhouse 3, which was released in 1993 only for the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive. When we did last week's episode, Seth was like, you can play it on. And he was like, you can play it on the Sega Genesis. That sounds good. It was only ever released on the Sega Genesis. Yeah, well, that sounds good. Now, the game is a sequel to Splatterhouse 2. And it's a beat-em-up similar to other Splatterhouse games, where you play as Rick Taylor trying to save your girlfriend, Jennifer Willis. So you do find out that your girlfriend being kidnapped was all part of a clever ruse to actually kidnap your son. You enter a house and a timer starts and occasionally you get flashes of Jennifer being held hostage by an entity called the Evil One. The game plays as a beat-em-up and it's it's pretty fun. Uh, you bash a bunch of monsters. You bash a bunch of monsters. You can use a special power to make Rick gigantic and have like a powerful attack. Uh, you can pick up weapons. It's just all over, oh, overall a good time. Uh, I will say that having the timer kind of stressed me out. Having timers in any video game stresses me out but having this like ticking clock in the corner i'm like i gotta go find jennifer but yeah it's a good time overall i ended up getting a game over because i got killed by too many monsters but it's a solid game to try out it's pretty tough yeah but it's it's i really like the sprite work in it i think that's probably my favorite they're really big nice sprites in Waterhouse 3 but the clock does make it a little more stressful yeah, the clock makes it very stressful. It is, but yeah, nice, beautiful sprite work. Uh, I definitely recommend trying it out. However, good luck finding a copy. Uh, as uh, for the game's loose price, currently it's about $81.96 loose. Uh, for a complete copy, it goes for about $220. For the prices of, if you want to import a copy from Japan, a loose copy goes for $117. So good luck finding a copy is what I say. Um, I guess you could play it through other means. Next week, Seth, I am going to ask you to play Judge Dredd for the Sega Genesis. That's fun. I I feel like I really should get into Judge Dredd, so maybe I'll start getting it into with this game. Zach had me play The Dig by LucasArts, released in 1995 for the PC and Macintosh. And if you're thinking this is something that Seth has done before, has been. I've actually talked about The Dig way back in our Half-Life 2 episode. Uh, as a reminder, it's a point-and-click adventure game where you play as Commander Boston Lowe, which I think is a pretty fun name. And you're in charge of a mission to uh, blow up an asteroid out of the path of Earth. And in order to do this incredibly, incredibly, like, important mission, they bring a crew that's up. There's a pilot. There's also a 
a NASA technician who is running for Congress, a geologist, and a linguist who happens to be a reporter. So the people sent to save the world are some people who are qualified and some people who may not be. So the story was actually for The Dig was originally conceived by Steven Spielberg, but he wanted to film as a movie. It was too expensive to film as a movie. So it got put on the back burner until one day he sat down with George Lucas, who was in charge of LucasArts, Ron Gilbert, and Noah Falstein, and they thought about making this idea into a video game instead because it would be cheaper. So they did so. During the dig, you end up getting on down to a planet where like the true point-and-click adventure game, I feel like, really starts. And you have to go through and point-and-click your way around. The puzzles are a little bit obtuse, but it is a very classic LucasArts adventure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a slight spoiler. What I think is funny is that in this group that end up on the planet, so the pilot and the technician don't end up on the planet because they're both in the ship. And you end up on the planet because you like go through like a hole in the asteroid after it explodes but you end up on this like alien world and the people who are on the planet together Boston Lowe, the geologist Brink, and the reporter Maggie all don't like each other. And they argue the entire time. And at one point in time, there's a hole that needs to be dug. Um, and Boston, the commander, is digging the hole. And Brink says, I'm the archaeologist. I need to dig this hole. I know how to handle digging holes. And so Boston says, okay, here you go. Watch out. There's definitely a hole here. And it's like the dirt. It's just been like blown over by dirt. It's kind of slow. He says, okay, guess what happens? Brink falls in the hole and dies. <laughs> so then you descend into this hole as you, the commander Boston, and Maggie, the reporter, and Maggie says, oh, Brink's dead. So you're stranded on this planet. You don't know how to get back home. You're with a guy who's a commander of this mission, and one of your crew members just died. What do you think is a good option to do? Stay together, perhaps? Yeah, probably. The opposite happens. Nice. Maggie decides, she says, it doesn't matter. Brink was with you and he's dead. So I'm leaving. And she just storms off and leaves. And so then you get to play this adventure game by yourself. as Because uh, one of your crew members is dead. <laughs> and the other one is deciding not to cooperate with you. Um, you still could talk to her on the communicator. But uh, yeah. So the story unfolds from there. It's It's been pretty fun. To give a, a more retro rewind on it versus a recently played. The puzzles are pretty obtuse in the game so if you like classic adventure games that have some kind of obtuse puzzles where you're not exactly sure what you need to do and it doesn't really tell you what to do uh, then uh yeah this is this would be a game for you because sometimes you have to interact with something leave and then come back to it randomly and decide to interact with it again or know that specifically there are certain things that you need to push in order to get something to work um i did like there was one particular puzzle you could summon this diamond thing that goes down to pick something up and you can there's a control panel that you push random buttons and becomes lights and then there's a triangle button to activate it the triangle button uh doesn't work if you take out the power supply but the control buttons that control the thing always work so i spent a lot of time figuring out why i couldn't get whatever the triangle thing could do and also not knowing that these things were connected it was uh 
Anyway, next week, Zach, you can play experts for Sega Genesis with the X part of that being the letter X. Because it's cool. Now, everyone, if you enjoyed that episode of Classic Gaming Brothers and you want to learn more about the Knuckles comics, feel free to email us at ClassicGamingBrothers at gmail.com. Also, be sure to visit our website, ClassicGamingBrothers.com. We are available on Facebook, Classic Gaming Brothers, Instagram, Classic Gaming Brothers, and X, SCG Brothers Pod. I'm not going to get used to saying that. I'm going to call Twitter CG Brothers Pod. And yeah, if there's anything else, reach out to us. Be sure to follow us on all the podcasting applications out there, be it iHeartRadio or Podbean or uh, CastBox. In any case, Seth, is there anything you want to contribute? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the classic gaming brothers. That's right. right.